0: Um, especially with the liver toxicity, there's so many people with liver toxicity. That's one of the things I'll have to do, especially if they're not absorbing their nutrients. I can't put them on a bunch of supplements that they don't absorb. Mm. And so I have to start, like, how do I get you to start yeah. absorbing your food right. and your nutrients? I have to use some form of manual medicine, whether yeah. it's acupuncture, red light therapy, cryotherapy, coffee enemas. So yeah. that was how I
1: got into that. So is, is that. With the actual organic material present, or is that just like the like liquefied the extraction of the coffee? It's
0: just the extraction of the
1: coffee. You make it just
0: like you would any okay. other cup of coffee.
1: Yeah. So well, I guess you wouldn't have to be as precise. No, <laughs> nah, no. <laughs> you know, trying to get a perfect bloom on that enema. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the enema, that's the, right. the enema coffee. Let's get a thirty-second bloom. Make sure all the solubility is taking place and the sugars are extracted, just so we can shoot it on up. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> and some yeah. people, when I mention
0: like an NMO, they look at me like, I'm out of here. And then yeah. other people are like, Yeah, I've already done those yeah. before. So it is a crazy yeah. spectrum.
1: Yeah, still, still, uh, I guess, virgin territory for me. Yeah. Um, very familiar, you know. Um, you know, my wife's very natural, hippie, you know, kind of gal, um, which I'm very <clears throat> thankful for, you know, because uh, she takes care of us very well. Um And you have how many kids? We have five. Three boys, two girls in that order. Three boys, two girls in that order. Uh, Wow. Yeah. The oldest one just moved out, got married. Wow. So that's uh, still, you know, mentally adjusting to that. Yeah. What's that like? You know, it's, it's wild in, I think, in the way that when you raise somebody, and I say it that way because that's they become their own person, you know. Um, you know, you're you're just in charge of of things that are challenging to just hand over. Um, you're in charge of what they eat, you know. Right, as a parent, especially uh, health focused and holistically focused, you know, parents. Um, you're really concerned about that. It's not just about your kid going and getting something fast food and whatnot. You know, you're you you are balancing their diets and you're really thoughtful of that, uh, making sure they're getting certain you know fibers and and, and, and healthy things and reading you know uh, every package you know and what's going to their system, and and then you kind of get this sense like okay, I'm just I'm just turning that over to you, you know, and you're just hopefully going to (laughs) care about (laughs) this. You know, we've worked so hard and spent so much money on this, um, and we hope you care. And, uh, you know, just just different things. You know, we've homeschooled our children as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a certain amount of, you know, literature. You try to make sure that they, you know, are experiencing and and quality of of education that they experience on a daily basis and and moderate things. Um, And you're gradually letting all that stuff go as they get older. You know, you're gradually... They have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. They have to feel the consequence of that action. They have to experience that. So you you are gradually letting it go, you know. Um, well, at least you should as a parent. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna have a hard time when the kids like I'm out of here and you you know. Um, but just that ultimate, just get okay, hands off. Yeah, you know. And so I'm just learning that, like, okay, for the next kid, that needs to happen sooner. Huh. You know, and the next kid that probably has to happen sooner. And here's probably some other areas that I need to be, um. And it might sound like, like a, a controlling scenario. Like, um, I it's funny to me. I hear myself say that. I'm like, I feel we're so relaxed, you know. It's so not controlling, you know. Like, you know, um, um, but because you are so involved and invested in those aspects, like they could come home and they have curfews and whatnot. And I never ask them, Hey, where'd you go here? Where'd you go? You know. Uh, but you're just so involved in that health aspect of their life and and and, and mental aspect and spiritual aspect that. You know, just to, just, okay.
0: Hand it over is yeah. A, you know, it's funny. My dad's a pastor. Yeah. Right on. For the preference of the audience, yeah. this is the first time you and I have met.
1: Oh, yeah. We've yeah. talked yeah. on the phone for like
0: <laughs> true. 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, Well, I'll have you introduce yeah. yourself in a second, sure. but m- I really do think that the difference between good parents and great parents is what you just said. Mm. A great parent will let a child have enough rope. Yeah and enough decisions and enough consequences to learn yeah. how to be their own adult, a good parent mm-hmm. will try to love and, and, and cultivate and steward their kid. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you don't yeah, stop doing words. that, that becomes inhibitory.
1: Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think it was said, but once and I don't know who said it, but it, you can't try to be the Holy spirit in your kid's lives. Um, the Holy Spirit brings the convictions and directions and the guidance and I think quickens your mind and your spirit um, to the things that you've trained them in, right? As as the Lord teaches us, as we train a child, you know, you're you're hoping you won't depart from that, you know. uh, um, um, And you can't be that. Yeah. Otherwise, they don't learn to lean on that and to use that, you know. So that was something that, you know, I've, I've seen and experienced people that are close to me have parents that kind of became that Holy Spirit for them. Yep. And then seen and experienced where you didn't have any of that kind of you know conviction or maybe parents that kind of shut that conviction down even that you might have had. And then the, my wife and I kind of experienced the, the opposite sides of both of that. So we were really mindful to not shut it down. The convictions that our, our children might have that maybe we didn't quite have as strong, mm-hmm. but also not be that for them you know,
0: so many examples of yin and yang necessary. Mm-hmm. This, this homeostasis, this balance in the middle, yeah. you go too far right or left. Yeah. yeah. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it, it And you, you see that, you know, and, and then that goes, you know, as we're talking about parenting, I mean, that's just the beauty of it. You know, it's like, man, this is such a wild mirror, <laughs> you know, like you just realize, yeah, I get a lot of problems. I got a lot of issues and Areas I'm broken in, and areas my parents maybe did a really great job, and I can see that just naturally coming through. And yeah, um, and, and it's uh, yeah, it's very interesting, you know.
0: But so why don't you why don't you introduce yourself now? Yeah, <laughs> let Seven minutes in here. Uh, your name's Jonathan. Yeah. You're from California, and yes. you know how to grow coffee.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. about
0: what I know about you.
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good. Um, yeah, uh, my name's Jonathan. Last name Sepulveda. Um, and uh, born and raised in orange of orange County, which is Southern California. Um, love California, you know, for everything that it is, uh, left there a little over a year and a half ago or 14 months ago, mm-hmm. um, to move to the great state of Indiana. <laughs> and, uh, and it's nice, you know, um, seasons are incredible. Mm. You know, it's a different, really different experience. Uh, And so I'm I'm cherishing that. Came over to work with a coffee company out here, and it's been just a fantastic opportunity. Um, I've been in coffee for 25 years now in my life. Actually, this will be the 26th year I've been in the specialty coffee industry. So everything from, you know, being a cashier, a barista, Mm -hmm. um, training uh, manager, district manager for coffee shops, and then I've worked in the roasting division of um, I've got m- about 16 years of coffee roasting experience. Um, so some might consider that a, a master coffee roaster. Um, um, currently the director of sales and coffee for the company I work for, uh, just held every role, you know, you could possibly imagine within the coffee industry,
0: which is utopian coffee, right? It is utopian U- here coffee, here, yeah, in,
1: right Fort here Wayne. in Fort Wayne, yeah, utopian coffee. Uh, they've been in business in Fort Wayne for about, um, Seventeen years now. Yeah. So my goal coming in is really just helping them tell that story. You know, um, one of the things that intrigued me was, um, you know, uh, the owner there, Brendan Maxwell, great guy, and he, he's doing the things that a lot of people are I'm trying to choose my words <laughs> wisely here. Uh, he he's doing the things that a lot of people uh, are aspiring to really do. For their coffee companies, you know, where they're actually visiting the farmers, um, and, and finding out if and how we can truly make an impact, um, at the farm level. Like where, like, for example, where is he right now? He's in, um, Oaxaca, Mexico, and he is, you know, living, you know, you know, in proximity with the farms and, um. And he's taking his wife and his kids. Yeah, he's taking the whole family. The whole family's brought down there. They'll be down there for, uh, at the office, we just call it Q1. You know, he'll be there for that, you know, first, you know, quarter of the year. Um, And, you know, really seeing the impact. These are farmers that we work with, farmers we have relationships with. We buy from uh, collectives in the area, also buy from specific farmers. Um, And we've also taken a, a, part of why I've been brought on, um you know is to to help kind of elevate the coffee experience that we have here um and part of the mission that I took on just working here personally was just to tell that story better. Mm-hmm. Utopian hasn't done that they've really shared that part of the story that that um at that farm level, I think, and really emphasized what goes into it and I had a lot of experience with uh helped start the first hundred percent regenerative organic coffee company um in the U.S. possibly it was the first in the world I'm not sure but um I helped start that company uh two, you know two and a half years ago now and that was in California That was in California and so when I started talking to Brendan about coming out here and my passion towards regenerative because I also was uh part of a herd share that my mouth and I oversaw um two different dairy cows, you know, at a regenerative farm in California. Um, So I've had a lot of experience with regenerative agriculture and product. Um, And so I mentioned that to Brendan and he was, just thought it was phenomenal because when you talk about stuff in the coffee industry, like, you know, organic and fair trade, and I don't want to bash organic or say anything negative. What I will say is that on the farm level, you know c- coffee's a a a crop that's that's heavily sprayed. Uh, so when you go towards organic it's still heavily sprayed but it's it's sprayed with uh uh pesticides that are organically derived. Huh. They're just at concentration levels that become deadly to the insects. And so so it's some wording shenanigans.
0: Uh
1: you know it's <laughs> <laughs> it's uh things Anything at certain concentration levels. I mean, you, you get to different levels, and, and and just just about anything can be disruptive to your system or harmful. Uh, speaking about organic materials, so, and then fair trade. You know, there's been a lot of studies and and research done on fair trade. Um, yeah, what does it mean? What fair trade is is hoping to communicate on packaging is that the. Farmers are receiving a fair wage uh, for their product. Um, so at least at least according to their country, they're actually experiencing a fair wage, a, a minimum wage, if you will, for the farmers um, uh, as it correlates to the, the product. So it's trying selling. to ensure
0: that you're not buying something that was made
1: through slave labor or some kind of yes. forced labor. Yes, very much is the intention behind it. Because uh, a lot of coffee is? A uh, lot of commodity product is. You know, a lot of commodity product is from rice to flour to coffee to to any of that stuff. Um, The exploitation of it is wild, you know, just like uh, shirts and our cell phones, you know, so. All the way to Nike shoes. Yeah, yeah, all the way. Um, So that's the concept, and that's what everyone really believes that it supports. Uh, And I'm not trying to go on record saying it doesn't do that, but what I am saying is that Brendan has expressed and I've also experienced communicating with farmers that are fair trade certified, um, and are paying for that logo and paying to be part of that club. Um, because it's like a licensing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they probably haven't seen or been checked up on in eight years. Mm. So it could be not so fair anymore. Right. And a lot of times in the experience that we've had, that seems to be the case. Um, but they're, they're paying this arm and a leg you know, for the licensing. So there, There's
0: a kind of similar oversight in the organic community. I know yeah. you're probably familiar with that. I had a podcast with a beekeeper that was on. Um, um, it was a week, well, it was months ago, but he was talking about how, how he got his organic certification and how unbelievably easy it was and how there was almost little to no oversight yeah. to, to maintain that certification.
1: Yeah, it, it it I think it can be, depending on the type of product you produce, mm. um. And I I can get into some of the steps on that one. <clears throat> what I was uh, what I was trying to land on with uh, the point talking about um. Even bringing up fair trade was that. What got me connected with with Brandon on that level was. When I started to explain to him what regenerative practices on the farm level looked like, yeah, where. You have this amazing biodiversity. You have the you go away from monocrop and you know uh, business model uh, and the life that it brings back to the farm and the ecosystem um, that n- is now present on the farm. That in itself changes everything, you know, mm-hmm. on that farm level, and and that starts to give back that quality of life to the farmers in a way that. You just can't say, well, now because you're getting paid, you know, a nickel or a dollar more per pound on this coffee, your life is better. And so he really believed in that aspect of it too. And so you know, that's where I felt like it was a good connection for me to come on board and to do that. Uh, to speak to organic certification, I know that for us, um, it's definitely a process to, you know, on, on the paperwork side, you know, um, as far as uh, meeting the standards, they definitely don't They definitely don't come in and, and, and check and regulate because there's kind of an, there's a little bit of an honor system to it. Sure. As long as you have... It's the same thing with restaurants. Like, I've worked in a lot of restaurants. There's a hat sap. There's a protocol for how you handle everything. You know, you got to keep chicken in at the very bottom of the fridge so that it doesn't drip from the top onto different meats and cross-contaminate. And so... Every once in a while, they're going to pop in on you and making sure you, you do the things you're supposed to do. That's how organic works, too. So there are protocols in place um, to make sure that you, you go, the equipment is cleaned thoroughly, that things are separated and kept apart from each other, um, and they could pop in and check. And that's that part of the physical inspection. But then there's always the back end and where they're checking your documents and you are—you have to really Document well, where every where you got everything, where it came from, which batch it was associated with, coffee, and how that was packaged and put together. So, I think it just depends. A company can do a really phenomenal job with it, following the with layout. organic with organic. Um, they could also just be checking boxes uh, because it's again, it's an honor system almost. You know, can
0: you can you speak to a little bit about what regenerative means? Because I think a lot of um, a lot of companies probably understand that there's a consumer market for mm-hmm. th- for buzzwords like regenerative oh yeah, and buzzwords oh yeah. like organic. Yeah. Like you said, they're probably checking boxes. What does regenerative farming mean to Utopian and mean to you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a a great question, and I appreciate you posing it. Um, when I th- think of regenerative agriculture, my you know my first thought is. Um, carbon impact okay and so because the incorporation of livestock within your fields is part of regenerative so you are now bringing in livestock in your in your fields um the big tillers like you know cows even and smaller tillers like goats um you know moving up mixing up that soil packing it in um that starts that carbon sequestration process. And so what you get from that is that negative carbon kind of footprint at the farm level. And so to me that's something that just if we're in this perspective today where people are talking about global warming and all kinds of other stuff, um, that's that seems to be pretty significant. Sure. You know, that a farm could, could – um, impact at that on on a negative level um and then everything just trickles down from there it's also
0: almost antithetical to what we've been hearing like animals are the cause of global warming where yeah if done correctly they could actually contribute to the reversal
1: of this kind
0: of uh toxic way that we've done agriculture
1: oh absolutely i mean it blows my mind when you see these cattle farms completely separated and you see these monocrops completely separated and you think, gosh, it sure would make a lot of sense putting <laughs> this together, you know, uh, you know, and I
0: never thought of that. Well,
1: I'm new to it, especially out here in Indiana. theres was all over the place. So much corn, so, so much. much corn. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was just on the phone with one of my buddies from SoCal today. He's like, uh, Hey man, I want to come visit you. What, what, what do we do? What do we see? I'm like, well, um, Do you like (laughs) cornfields, you know, (laughs) and cows? Because we got a lot of them, you know. Um, I mean, Indiana is is beautiful and has so much to offer, and I love it. But there's there's a lot of corn, Um, and soybean. So, so it's interesting, you know. um, Regenerative farming, to me, man, it does so much. It's an animal welfare act, you know. You have these animals roaming like they should amongst plants and vegetation and um, you know, I've seen people with their farms um, using Guinea fowl because they just Mm. eat up all these bugs or they have ducks in there and they eat up all the slugs and bugs and different stuff. And, um, and, uh, and that, that fertilizer that's naturally coming from them, you know, is absolutely incredible. So uh, the animal welfare aspect of it, bringing them back in, having them in this beautiful environment that they're living in um, the carbon sequestration, is an incredible byproduct of this. Taking that um, carbon and putting it back into the soil, causing that nutrient-dense soil that now just produces phenomenal produce. I mean, some of the coffees I've worked with have just been incredible, you Mm. know, because um, that soil is so rich and so healthy. And then it also allows the uh, farmers to just, Grow, grow so much more so now they have this ground coverage like lagoons and they, they they're growing those they can grow timber they can grow so many other plants um, along and within the coffee grows along alongside and within those different plants it's so now they're able to harvest all year round different products you know so um, even financially it's better for the farmers they're living in this natural looking kind of you know, more of a paradise looking place than just this monocrop ripped out of the middle of the jungle you know Uh, they're away from those harsh, uh, concentrated, organically-derived chemicals, pesticides, uh, because the the animals are doing the job. So it's reducing that cost for them, too, and their exposure to those types of things. You know, so better product, better for the people, better environment, animal welfare, sustainability, you know, emissions control. Is it cheaper? God, such a great question. Is it cheaper?
0: Um, Because, okay, so... (coughs) Uh, so yeah. we
1: started a farm. Yeah. Last year. <laughs> which is crazy. I know. Which is which is great because yes, that's why you're asking the question. <laughs> exactly why
0: I'm asking the question. And I'm a chiropractor. I'm a yeah, a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. I know nothing about farming. Yeah. I do know that our food does not have the nutrients our bodies need to actually function. Yeah. So they they divert to pathology mm-hmm. and disease. And so instead of banging my head against the wall, trying to find things that work, if I could just get food that works, you, mm-hmm. I can work my way out of a job. I would love yeah. to not have a job as a, right. a chiropractor. I want to be a cowboy. Uh, that's, yeah. that's what Eating I above. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. hopefully yeah. someday <laughs> I get there. Yeah. But I completely understand the concept of, I wanna be a produce farmer. Mm. So therefore I became a chicken farmer and therefore I became a mm. pig farmer and therefore I became a, a tree farmer and therefore let's right. Yeah. And in the Garden of Eden, like pie in the sky dream, I would hope that farming gets easier as you mm. do this for longer, mm. where one thing feeds the next thing, feeds the next thing, feeds the next. Yeah. 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 And then not only does it get easier, but hopefully it gets less expensive. I have to buy less seed, I have to put yeah. less attention into it. I know it's not gonna be cheaper now. Right, but I'm, I hope that this movement starts to turn like turn the wheel, yeah, and the wheel then starts to turn itself.
1: Yeah, uh, that leads me to just kind of two thoughts. you know, um, first thought is, whenever you think you're getting a deal on something, you're going to pay for it somewhere, right? Like you want yeah, to sure. you want to get cheap food, you might get cheap food at the grocery store. You'd probably get it on sale with coupons and and, and, and uh, you feel good about it it's some kind of name brand something or other. You're gonna pay for it with your health, and so now you're gonna you're gonna be taking some kind of pills or supplements or trying to work backwards. Um, so I think about like regenerative farming in that way, like you're paying for that health up front. You know the cost on on buying that product. You know we we have this weird idea that stuff should be a certain price. You know corn should be this cheap or vegetables should be this cheap. You know. Um, it's not apples to apples. Pay the farmer
0: know? now or the surgeon later.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to me, the, it's not an apples to apples price point in the grocery store on our products. You know, if you want to buy uh, a good anything, a good jacket, you know. And uh, trust me, I've learned about good jackets living out here now. <laughs> I didn't know jackets were supposed to have lining. Um, you know, so I'm learning about buying better products, you know, and um, living out here yeah. just, uh, just in clothing. Um, but you know, you, you have to, you know, but this jacket's going to la- like I, this jacket that I got now, this is going to last me mm-hmm. Spent more on this jacket than I have on any jackets I've ever had in California. Cause I didn't need them, you know, <laughs> um, well, why can I last talk you? about that all the time? In, the yeah. cheap
0: fashion. I yeah. kind of transition in life. I'd, yeah. I'd way rather spend three times the amount yeah. on one thing than yeah. had three times the amount of a crappy. Cheap oh yeah. Thing.
1: And that's food. And so we look at food that way. We're saying, let's get in a, let's get more of this. Right, which then turns out to make more of us, you know, uh, quite physically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's just, you know, the product, you know. So I I think there's that aspect of it too, and then there's just that that other side of 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 building. um, I see a lot out here where there's maybe an old timer who's bought a house and I don't know, hundred acres, Mm -hmm. and then you see that. His kids built houses on there, and then maybe maybe the grandchildren put houses on there, and it's gotta be so much cheaper for those grandchildren, right? Yeah, because so much was built before for them, right? They didn't they didn't do the, the flattening of the land and, and getting it straightened out and and, and and buying the land in the first place, and right, and so we build on that, you know, generationally. So I can only imagine what these farmers and regenerative farming, like you're doing year after year as you continue to build on that and build on that and build on that with every harvest you know it that cost starts to um you gotta take that initial startup cost of every project and and over time it starts to um spread that cost you know across that but that initial start is always is always that that big expensive jump you know. I mean, I've helped open a lot of coffee shops my time, and that's where big bulk money happens. You open the coffee shop, you're spending quarter of a million, you know, if not <coughs> better, and um, usually don't have that money to spend again as a coffee shop, right? Um, but you know, the the, the startup project and, and where you know is always the the majority cost, and I would say I saw a really neat. Um, or I, I, I heard a, a really neat podcast. And this gentleman was talking about a uh, regenerative uh, winery, uh, a vineyard, sorry, a vineyard that, that he um, had started, and they started incorporating sheep. Mm. And so this is up in California, um, northern California, where the wine grows. Um, and he said that year that they started incorporating the sheep was just incredible because you – know, People don't realize water costs money in Indiana, you know? <laughs> like right. You're, when you're from California, you realize it. you know, uh, it's a desert, so they're always <laughs> pumping water in. You, you know, know that one from yeah. Day one. Yeah, well, people are always like, why are you guys always in a drought? Like, what, It's a desert. <laughs> you're not supposed to have water there. We keep borrowing it from the Colorado River, you know? Um, it's going to always be in a deficit. So, um, but he was saying, you know, the water that the sheep were drinking, they would then go into the fields and they would urinate, mm-hmm. you know? So it was costing them less in water to water the vineyard because of that. And the sheeps were a different project, you know, so they're drinking water, you know. Sure. But so that alone, the sheep's moving that water over, packing the soil, doing their whole bit, urinating uh, uh, um, in in the uh, fields, was saving him on water. So there's different things, I think, in balance with these farms and how they can helping offset and as you strategize and kind of plan it out i think there can be cost savings in certain ways um for regenerative practices um but yeah i I, i'd love to give you a book on it but (laughs) i don't don't know if it exists yet
0: what i i'm in it for the long term i understand i told my brother andrew he's the business mind that helps me with this yeah i'm the emotional mind um I told him that I'm pretty pot committed on the farm. I know it's going to lose me money for a while. Yeah. But in that scenario with the sheep, you know, you get the sheep to help you with the watering and that cuts down on a cost, but but you actually double win because the urination and the packing in the soil changes the nutrients in the ground, which feeds the grape that gets grown and makes it more medicinal in your body when you eat Mm. it. And that's what I'm
1: trying to get to right there. I love that. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll send you that podcast episode because they actually compared the wine from that year to the previous few years. From the same vineyard. Same vineyard, same same process, same exact grapes. Every, everything is the same, just the sheep. And it, it was, it outscored that wine by like nine points or something like that. Wow. Um, which is a significant increase. Was a lot. Yeah. I mean, significant jump. you got to remember, you're talking to Indiana people. They don't know how many points system wine <laughs> <laughs> thing works. Yeah, it, it, well, it's easier for me, too, because uh, uh, coffee and wine both have a rating scale from 1 to 100. Mm. Uh, with both, once you get over 90 points, it starts to get kind of exotic and a little bit weird. Yeah. You know, stuff that's in those mid-80s is, you know, like an 84-point coffee is kind of just a good introductory cup of coffee can you give me an example you know? yeah so let's say like um, um big b coffee we yep. see these guys around here i'm sure their house drip every day is an 84 point you know just nice great palatable enjoyable coffee um you're n- you're not gonna write about it or or create it, you know right you know or or, or, sure. or tell people about it or really review it um because it just goes well with your cream of sugar and it's fine it's just a good fine cup of coffee where's starbucks you know? at um i usually don't use the s word oh uh, yeah so sorry. No, sorry we're kind of uh <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a uh, no um you know when i taste it <laughs> it sure tastes like uh like a 60 point coffee yeah. uh, that's that's not nice but um you know probably high 70s low low 80s um they say that you have specialty grade but you can degrade the quality of a degrade by how you roast it. By burning it? by Yeah, by burning it, by scorching it, torching it. Okay, <laughs> let's try to pretend I
0: didn't say the S word. Because yeah, no, you said to me when we talked on the yeah. phone the first time, yeah. some things I d- had not considered or didn't know, but I know the same thing when it comes to other foods. The more you heat something, the higher level you heat it, you oxidize it, you change the molecular structure of yes. the, of the biochemistry of it. Can you speak to, like... My patients want to know, is coffee bad for you?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, such a good question. And and I struggled with that for so long because of just reading so many different reports.
0: Because they're all over the place. They are. It's New Year's right yeah. now. And I'll bet you there's people listening to this who are like, that's it. I'm going to quit coffee. Right. I'd say, please don't resolution. do that.
1: I need to feed my family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a coffee pusher, and I really need you to keep drinking coffee. I got five children. Please keep drinking. <laughs> um so struggle- i struggled with that a lot because uh, just the different articles that are out there, and just like everything else like we're the whole kind of what we're talking about uh, uh almost the concept here is um just tracing stuff back to its source, yeah right, and as I started to work with you know larger coffee companies and they actually have you know food scientists um on board and i'm hearing one thing from this food scientist another company i work with i'm hearing th- this other thing and i started to ask the questions of well what coffee are you testing hmm. you know and they'd say oh you know just some regular coffee I'm like, but there's no such thing as just regular coffee coffee's grown all across the world you know all across the equator you know brazil sells the most you know hmm. uh Uh, I think Columbia is like number three, you know, like, you know, what are you talking about? And then you can't just say, oh, this coffee comes from Columbia. It's like, okay, well, what harvest was it? What year was it from? And then what grade is that of specialty grade? Where is it score? Is it specialty grade coffee? And then what was the processing method? Was this a coffee that was, you refer to as naturally processed, so it's allowed to, to, um, the fruit's allowed to raisin on the bean and then therefore it can kind of go into those potential mold scenarios, you know? Or is this a washed coffee where you've got all you gotten everything off immediately from the seed and now it's just let to dry in the sun and so you don't have that opportunity for mold, mm. you know? Or not only that, but how is this coffee roasted? Is this a lighter roasted coffee um, so that it's leaving more of the organic properties present and antioxidants present? Or is this a coffee that's, dark roasted and carcinogenic now right and anything that was natural and alive in it is gone you know and then how long has it been on the shelf (laughs) has it been past those 15 to 30 days i mean you've you you, people especially uh folks who like roasted nuts you get fresh roasted nuts i mean that oil spoils and goes rancid at some point and it's it's not tasty anymore it's kind of gross well 90 something percent of coffee out there um that people are consuming from grocery stores, I would say 98, 99% of coffee that's out there that people are consuming from grocery stores is coffee that's been on the shelves for months. So it's past healthy at all. At all. Let alone probably toxic for you. Yeah. I mean, even if you're starting out with the high-grade, high-quality coffee, roasted fresh, roasted... uh, It doesn't have to be roasted light to be good. And I say light, people think like that light, bright, sour kind of coffee. That's not what I mean. You can you can develop a coffee so it's sweet and good and roasty. It doesn't have to be sour, light, gross. Um, so, anyways, it could be high quality. It could be fresh harvest. It could be a, a lighter roasted coffee. Um, it could be um, you know uh, put on that shelf, but you didn't get it for months. It goes to a distribution center from the roastery, sits there for months. Then it go or a month or whatever. Then it goes to the grocery store. It sits in the back. Then it moves its way to the shelf.
0: You pick it up in a five-pound bag at Costco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it and takes and you six months to get through it,
1: right? And, and and all the while you're hoping that it is beneficial for you, you know. And that's why I try to tell people, you know, coffee is a is a produce. You know, huh. you have to purchase it like a produce. You know, and you're not going to buy, you're not going to buy frozen carrots from you don't know where, just blank label you know, whatever on the bag and think it's going to be good for you that they have the same properties that you, when, if you went to a farmer's market or went fresh uh, directly to the farm and so coffee is a produce, it can be great for you. It can be so good for you, but nothing (laughs) that I'm finding out and you're finding out more and more that it's just not that easy. You know, you got to know. So people have to, so how do you find it? Right. How do you find good coffee then? Um, Typically you gotta look for stuff that says roasted on. When you start looking at stuff that says best buy, you know, you don't know when it was roasted. What's important about bread? When it was baked, right? You mm-hmm. know? And so you wanna know, well, how do I know bread is fresh? Well, you know when it was baked. How do you know coffee's fresh? Well, when it was roasted. Typically coffee within the strict rule typically with coffee is two weeks after roasted is best for flavor. I don't start to notice any kind of change in the oil or the taste at all. I don't have science for you on that one, unfortunately, but I don't taste any rancidity. I don't taste anything different um, for at least the first 30 days. Um, After that. It starts to denature. uh, Yeah. And I, and I would say pretty rapidly, you know, Um, and I've done it. I've tested myself. I've taken coffees in 30, 31, 32, 35, 40, 45 days, 65 days. Uh, because when we sell the products to to different grocery stores, different places, they want longer shelf lives. Sure. So they're saying, how good is your product? You know, how long can it stay on the shelf? And you're just looking at them like, Oh, that doesn't mean it's good. I know. You know, and um, like, I need you to buy it, (laughs) 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 you know? um, So I I would say if you're someone looking to buy coffee for its health benefits, you want to get it directly from the roaster. Um, so, you do believe that there's health benefits from coffee absolutely. Can you speak to those? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I've seen and I've noticed um is really anti- antioxidant levels mm. you know so like like eating blueberries, you know, like a handful of blueberries you know i've 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 heard it said um, not being a food scientist myself, I don't have you know um some hard numbers or facts, you know um but um to me experiencing that portion of it. And, and I think when we've all started to learn about antioxidants and they're fighting against free radicals and, and, and how that works in the system, you know, to me, I've kind of incorporated it in my diet, like a fruit, you know, or vegetable, you know, um, I would say a lot of folks think that coffee is uh, something that will really, you know, dehydrate your system or diuretic, you know, kind of thing. Right. There was a great study uh, I read a few years ago, you know, by Harvard University, Um, that put, you know, I think it was, you know, took a a group of a hundred and, you know, 50 that drank coffee and 50 that didn't, and they were all athletic students. Um, and this group drank a certain amount of water. This group drank a certain amount of water and coffee, both consuming the exact amount of liquid, you know, some of it was in coffee for the other group and there was no change whatsoever. There was no dehydration, no signs of any kind of difference whatsoever within coffee, um, So for me, I'm like, if I can get water through this product and the antioxidants in this as well, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know,
0: there's a, to speak to the water thing, um, I've kind of had, I I don't don't think I've said this publicly, but I've kind of had a problem with the crazy weird fetish that we have with carrying around water. (laughs) I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Our bodies are unbelievably efficient mm. at retaining water. Mm. And I try to make all decisions through what I, what I call like a lens of origin, right? Yeah. When t- was man walking around with Stanley's, you know, a thousand years ago, mm. ha- drinking two gallons of water every day, yeah. you are over hydrating yourself. Not only that, what matters to hydration is actually salt and it's not how much water mm-hmm. and you're, your colon and your kidneys are unbelievably efficient at saying, "Okay, I need more. I need less." Yeah, and so I've got a personal beef with the how much water people are yeah. recommended to drink.
1: That's fascinating. I've, I've, um, I, you know, my, my wife and I have kind of been talking about this, you know, um, and with that same, you know, thought, you know, uh, proposed because, um, it just seems so odd that. The amount of water that's been consumed, yeah, and and that we're told to consume, you know, uh, you know, uh, and so um, I'm like, that's a lot of work, a ton, you know, it's so much.
0: And not only that, we have a massive problem with our water in this yeah. country. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we've decided yeah. to put things in it. Yeah, we've sprayed things in our air yeah. that gets absorbed into our atmosphere, that right. then goes into our water. That I don't think is great. Yeah, and so where think you think. get your water from actually matters. Yeah, I think the only thing that that you could use to push me back on that argument is that our environment has become more toxic and so therefore we need Mm. more filtration and water would equal that i would argue Mm. salt would equal that but i think that would be the one devil's advocate you could say but i I don't think you drinking city fluoridated um estrogenergic water is going to help promote detoxification in your body
1: Yeah. yeah i mean that's that's I think that's absolutely brilliant and, and a good focal point. Um, and I, I find myself pretty lucky because I've I've gone down the rabbit hole of water. I've actually helped formulate a a, a water a bottled bottled water brand specifically for coffee. Mm. Um, and I do a lot with water within the world of coffee. So brewing coffee with this specific bottle of water. Um, yeah, with a, with a particular type of water. So often we recommend to coffee shops to uh, use uh, a reverse osmosis system that also incorporates uh, remineralization yeah and 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 uh, some kind of blending device so you can moderate um, the the remineralization and typically those minerals that we focus on um, are a, a blend of calcium and magnesium and uh, there's been some studies showing that that there's certain flavor molecules that bond specifically to calcium and others that bond to magnesium. Mm-hmm. And so we look for a particular percentage ratio. Um, and we typically want your TDS to be or your total dissolved solids to be you know just calcium magnesium, um, and around 120 TDS, you know, uh, for your parts per million, okay, and that's like the focal point of like really really good coffee.
0: That's in my 90s sc- score. Yeah, and good, um, utopian. Yeah. T- like, can you tell me a little bit more about this gun? Because you guys have multiple different types types of coffee.
1: Yeah, um, um, we have. Um, I'm sorry, I finished the question. There. Well, I,
0: well, I just want how much of your coffee beans are coming from regenerative farms? Yeah, how far are you on that on that pathway of getting your South American farmers on board yeah. with this kind of farming practice? Yeah. I'm sure that's an obstacle to try to get over.
1: Yeah, no, and 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 again, you're asking great questions, and I I appreciate that you asked that yeah. particular question. Absolutely. Um. We have. Well, let's say this way: the, the, the regenerative certification is new um Uh, the roc is that yeah so our rock as they're calling it roc regenerative organic certification um and so that's it's 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 still new right people are just learning about it um and it's pretty new in coffee you know it's only been i think the first farm was maybe two years ago okay like and i mean like one farm you know in like the, in the whole yeah, country in the, yeah in the world in the world <laughs> you know like you know like uh so i, I don't know there's fifth, 12 15 maybe to 10 to 12 farms now 15 how many of them are you partnering with as many as we can you know not not everybody has enough to to actually put you know so you're at the tip of the spear of this we really are there's 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 there is literally just a handful people that are rock certified as coffee roasters. Um, so we are learning who those farmers are, right? We've been buying coffee from from a number of these farmers, um, about three different farmers already, two in P- uh, Peru and one in Nicaragua. Um, we're about to launch um, w- uh, the uh, Las Hermanas uh, coffee um, from Nicaragua, and it's um, just a, you know, a great coffee. when's that come um out? That will be out about two weeks from now. Look at my calendar there. yeah, probably on the fourteenth of January. So um, it's just been a lot of work. It's been a sure. lot of work to source the coffee, get the coffee, get it roasted the way we want it the tracking that whole portion of it, the branding side of it and connecting everything together. Um, I've come up with a, a line. So now we have connections with more regenerative farmers. Some of these coffees, um, they're just not the kind of coffees that might be what you would refer to as like a single origin coffee. So they have such complexities or such intense levels of sweetness or acidities uh, or floral notes or fruit notes uh, that they might be a standalone coffee. So they're excellent for um, contributing one portion or another, like the body of the coffee or the smell of the coffee or or the sweetness level, and so we'll take a few of these and kind of blend them together to make something really, really nice, uh, like a good kind of morning blend, or an espresso blend, or a dark roast blend, or a light roast. So we'll be launching our our lighter roasted blend, our medium roast blend, our dark roast blend, our espresso blend, and then we'll have two single origin coffees, one being the Las Hermanas.
0: And that all comes out in the next couple
1: weeks. Yeah. You've yeah. been busy. I've been, yeah, we've been, <laughs> we've been busy trying to, because it's so important. And the goal is to let those blends, let that new line that we have to offer kind of phase out mm-hmm. the existing line. Um, not in a way that changes our flavor, just changes that we're sourcing from who you are. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's a company here in town and I know the owner um, that make pizza. It's yeah. called 800 Degrees Pizza. I don't know if you've ever eaten there.
1: I, f- I feel like you got to take me there.
0: I've got to take you there. <laughs> but they have their own fermented wheat wow. that he's been, you know, feeding this wow. thing for yeah. years. And yeah. he will tell you that, you know, five, six years ago when he started, I think it was about that time, that their their bread tastes massively different than it does now. Mm. And I, I just love that idea of, like, so if you get this nutrient profile, whatever it is that you have now with this regenerative farm, as the farm regenerates yeah. and builds nutrient density, yeah. you change the way that it tastes. And in my experience, and this is this is not just me. Things that are healthier for you taste better. Yeah. And it's almost like this wiring God's put in us mm. and and we actually have this important thing called a taste buds. Yeah. That goes to a specific part of your brain. You got to know whether you're being poisoned or whether you're eating something that's rancid Mm. and whether you are eating something that's healthy for you. And if you eat synthetically chemical garbage food Mm. that we do all the time, you start to lose your sensitivity to that. Mm. And I see this all the time with my patients. If I can get you, let's just say I get you three weeks to stop drinking pop. Yeah. Use that as an example. How many pops you drink a day? I drink 12 a day. Okay, let's cut it to six and then maybe we can get it to two and then maybe we can get it to zero. And then at the end of the three weeks, you can have your pop again. Mm. And if I get them to do that, at the end of three weeks, they go and drink their pop again. It doesn't even taste good to them. And it's like, oh, you started to tap into the neurology that you had muffled for decades Mm. on eating garbage. And I really think your coffee's no. going to do that for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. That is, that's, that's, a uh, wow. It's interesting. It, when you started to discuss that, because I, I've done so many classes and courses where I, I teach people how to taste, huh. you know, um, call it palate development, um, courses. Um,
0: Dude, Indiana
1: needs you. <laughs> We have so many
0: people. (laughs) The sincerest plea, if you if you people
1: could see his face, it was the sincerest plea. (laughs) They have the worst
0: taste buds.
1: Well, so I can't. I live here now. I can't go on record saying anything. (laughs) 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 Um, But um, I'll I'll take one from the south. Uh, Bless their hearts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What. What I've known is is that dulling like you're saying you know I've so many people because they have these high sugar or high s- sodium diets um unnatural you know with with uh synthetic foods and and, and, and whatnot and um it, these are crutches you know sugar and salt enhance flavor you know they they allow you to taste more you know adding an acid or something to, to it it enhances a flavor allows you to taste more um and and the amount of which is on processed foods mm. it's incredible and it's, and it's greatly affected and i've seen it over time I've, I've been in the coffee industry for 26 years i've seen that degrading palate you know year after year you get new people in the coffee industry that are like wow coffee can taste like this or wow coffee um, and so year after year i see new 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 new, and i've just seen that time and time again that palate and they're just getting weaker and weaker and weaker and it takes so much more work to train them, mm-hmm. so much more work to just associate. You know, we experience sweetness on the tip of our tongue. That's where you get the sensation, the feeling of sweetness, right, on the tip, right. And then you get um, salty on the side, and then further back you get sour, right? You bite into a lemon or lime, and you get that like that. You kind of like pull back on your tongue uh, because that's where you f- like literally feel the flavor of sour. And then on uh, the top of your tongue, you get that what they call savory or umami. Mm-hmm. And then right underneath you, you realize where you get bitter, typically to cause a reaction of a gag if it's poisonous, m- poisonous. yes. So um, I just noticed a dulling man. people just a high sensitivity to bitter. And so the, dis- the it's, it's, it's not associated appropriately. People would try it something like an espresso, drink it and go, oh my gosh, that's so bitter. I'm like, where do you feel it? Oh, my gosh, like the tip of my tongue and on the side and on the top. I'm like, do you feel it in the back of your throat, underneath your uvula? No. That's right. It's not bitter. Mm. You know, it's concentrated. It's sharp. And um, and you're just getting the – and espresso, well, I, w- I shouldn't say it's not bitter. It's not that it's all bitter, right? It's a balance, like a nice cocktail. You add bitters yeah. to the cocktail to balance it out and land it. You know, and so an espresso is is balanced that way. Proper coffee is balanced that way, and when folks have coffee that is so over the top with cream and sugar, you get these fats that coat your palate. You can't really taste it. These sugars to cut through, and you're not really getting any of the bitter. So we've just dis- we've that that bitter part of our diet really doesn't happen, and so we get shocked when we try coffee right off the bat and we taste the bitterness that's not hidden by sugar and cream. Is cream bad in your coffee? no no not at all um it's funny there a lot of people say when they actually when they come b- they bring me coffee they're saying i'm so sorry i put cream of sugar in my coffee um and um there was probably a time where i would you know t- ex- I, at I, that. yeah I, w- I would probably accept the apology you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes you you owe me this apology i, I will forgive you my child <laughs> you know um But the reality is that fats in cream and good sugars help you to uh, metabolize the caffeine better. Hmm. And so you don't get that crazy, shaky, jittery feeling. Um, I drink my coffee with cream and sugar in the morning. Really? Yeah. I know. (laughs) I was hesitant to admit that. Do you use raw cream? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I actually get some milk from the Amish dairies here. Yeah. Raw. Raw milk raw cream my wife loves coffee with with cream i should say she loves cream with coffee yeah amen so does my wife
0: (laughs) and it's uh i mean it's raw cream Mm. it's really really good cream yeah this is going back to your point about well what kind of coffee did you use what year was it roasted how was it Mm. actually farmed this happens all the time in medicine Mm. where it I'll give you a quick example. There was a Netflix documentary on forks over knives. Have you ever heard of forks over knives? Yeah. Yeah. Well, these scientists proved that eating meat causes heart disease and cancer. And you're like, oh, okay, show me how you did that. Well, you take these rats and you feed them this meat diet and they grow all these tumors. And then you put them on a vegetarian diet and all the tumors go away. Then you put them back on the meat diet and they get all these tumors. And it's like very compelling when you look at it. Hmm. Whoa, this causes cancer. Yeah. You're like, whoa. Where'd you get your meat from? Right. Did you get it from a cow that never left a barn that didn't move three feet and got injected with steroids and antibiotics? Yeah. Or did you get it from a cow that ran around and played outside and ate grass? Wow. So this happens all the time in medicine and it sounds like it happens in coffee too. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about cream. Yeah. You can have cream (laughs) in your coffee. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Or you can have cream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. In it. I didn't get turned on to good cream um on my own it was really within the coffee industry and it's be, as the coffee industry became more culinarily focused uh, on the West coast we started working with better dairies um like uh I think it's called Strauss dairy and then clover dairy um and i I oh, growing up especially on the west coast you know um I didn't grow around dairies or anything like that. Mm-hmm. um and um, when people would use the expression, like, the cream rises to the top, I didn't know what that meant. What in the world is that? No, no clue. And then when maybe I was 27 or 8, the first time I would seen, like, Strauss milk or clover milk or that high-fat rich yeah. um, milk, and there was, like, f- fat on the t- cream on the top. And, it, like, it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, do you guys know this is what they're talking about? This cream has risen to the top, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that's what it does, you know. And um, and I thought it was inc- it just remarkable. And so we used to have to shake them up and, and balance it out. Sure. Um, and, and I, re- the first time I tried an espresso with that milk, and I and I balanced it perfectly. So this is brilliant espresso. Just ex- extracted just with a, a phenomenal machine, great water, great coffee, great roast, um, perfectly dialed in to have these. Phenomenal flavors just these 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 floral flavor notes, a uh, syrupy kind of honey texture to it, this nice kind of sweet tobacco finish, and just yeah. all in this punch of a little ounce. and then we made a, a a traditional cappuccino with it. so it's only about you know four ounces of milk just steamed with this brilliant viscosity so that it's it's uh, like melted ice cream. Mm. you know and that's how you should make a, a real real cappuccino. Um, and when I had it with this milk. It was a completely different experience, completely night and day, the sweetness level, the texture, the aromatics that were coming off of milk, you know um, and I, and I felt better with it and I always thought I was lactose intolerant, you know <laughs> and uh, when we lived in south carolina for for about a year, um, my wife had found a, a local dairy and and really the she she had challenged me you know to to try the milk. Um. And see if it affected me, and I said, "Well, I love milk, so it's on you. <laughs> you know, if it bothers me, you know." So <laughs> she's gonna pay the Challenge accepted. <laughs> you know. Um. So, you know, I have a glass of this milk, and nothing.
0: No GI issue. No nothing, nothing. 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 Like which, if you had just a two percenter from the store. Oh.
1: I'd be on the ground. I'd be in a be in the fetal position, crying, just pain. It's painful. Yeah, I mean that is just painful. And then that's the first stage. You know, <laughs> stage two, and then no one wants to be around you. I mean, it's just it's a horrible experience. You know, emotionally, you feel scarred. You know, it's just it's a, um, and and it was it was wild. You know, now being able to have milk, um, I just felt so great after it. Like, my joints felt good, uh, energy levels, you know, just, I'm like, what, what is this? You know, and it's just, it's life. It's white blood cells, man. You know, it's it's good for you. There's so many foods that are like that that we've just bastardized and yeah. and um, what
0: what we've done to it. Yeah. So I would say that you're not lactose intolerant. You're pasteurization intolerant. Mm. And it we've done it to gluten in this country. Yeah. We, 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 we massive consequences we've done so many so much stuff and it's just i don't know it's exciting to hear you talk about food Uh, my parents generation you know that baby boomer generation i think they looked at food as as a cost equation only it's Mm. like how much can i get for the least amount of money yeah yeah value proposition yeah Yeah, yeah. and it's understandable because they had parents that came from the
1: like depression World War II yeah. and
0: Great Depression, yeah. where that's how they viewed every decision was through cost analysis of money only. Yeah, um, They weren't doing things to the food back then either yeah. that <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's caused
0: true. severe consequences. Yeah. Our generation cannot look at fu- food that way. Mm. How much can I get mm. for the least amount of money? Right. You will pay big dollars yeah. for that in yeah. your health. And, and quality of life. Right. And so you can see, especially in our generation, some people get really excited about food yeah. or or coffee or wine or whatever it is, and and it sounds snobby mm-hmm. sometimes. It, like, yeah. that's Oh, mean. you're a food snob. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah, I am. I like yeah. to eat and drink things that are
1: alive and <laughs> are healthy. Yeah, what a concept. <laughs> it's know? weird. What, what a snob. Jerk. Yeah. That's interesting, too, in – Yeah, I would agree just because, you know, we we just, we see it, you know, so just all over the place, you know, uh, every, you know, the discount version of this or that or, yeah, and cheapening of things and, you know, um, I just think we're just completely just so disconnected, you know, we don't know what it takes to make something right, you know, we're just so disconnected from nature um and really understanding what we're eating at any level right you know i mean i remember <laughs> when mcdonald's had their campaign and they said uh, uh like now, it, now it's 100 percent beef <laughs> and everyone's like what was it before <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know i'm like well thanks for being honest you know <laughs> like you know uh, uh where is that today you know um 90 <laughs> percent cardboard you know yeah um, and finding out that like tacos at jack-in-a-box were vegan or something like that right. or vegetarian friendly or whatever right. it was i was like <laughs> wow you know uh people just don't know what they're eating they just yeah they just just will consume um
0: this is as close to a conversation i've i've really wanted to have publicly but i don't know how to do it um with grace yet yeah um I'm a Christian. Sounds like you are too. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that yeah, about you. Yeah. Um, What role does a Christian need to take their health? Like how, how do I'm a Christian and everything needs to be viewed through that lens. Yeah. Um, So if I, if I believe God's first and, and honoring him is, is top priority. Yeah. What does my health mm. say about that? So am I a better father, am I a better doctor, and I'm a better Christian, am I a better witness for him if I pay attention to my health and I make certain health decisions? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to have that conversation in a country that's filled with over 50% obesity, over 50% chronic Mm -hmm. health disease, that takes over 60% of the world's drugs. Mm. I offend so many people just by even hinting at that. Yeah but i still think that they probably need to question mm. their habits yeah and this is as close as i've gotten to that i still <laughs> <laughs> it's be, challenging man it's hard i yeah. don't want to hurt people's yeah. feelings but i also i don't think it's love and kindness to allow you especially yeah. as a medical provider to still be a toxic bag of bones mm. and i just don't think it's helpful yeah you could be so much so much better all around, if you took mm. like what you're talking about, this yeah. kind of passion for learning about taste, yeah. what does this actually mean? Yeah, and I don't know. So I really, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and and actually having yeah. that <laughs> passion back.
1: No, thanks, man. This is it's uh, it's a great perspective, and, and I think when you share an opinion like that, when it's uninformed and it's simply an opinion, then it's definitely something that can be hurtful, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But when you're coming from an informed place with so much experience like you have, um, I mean, people people are going to take something that bothers them. Yeah. You know, it, 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 the, your, the truth about things that are sensitive, like your health or, or what you eat or, you know, or your body image yeah 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 i mean those things are going to st- strike a chord no matter what but when it's done as you know uh, as, as a caring gesture with with a with something to support it like hey man i actually know what this does and i really can help and i can really change things and you're sharing something with people because you can offer that help. There's a big difference in sharing something because you can offer help and sharing because you got an opinion about <laughs> somebody, right? You know And when you're bringing it up as someone who can help, that's like that's you saying, I'm willing to get into the uncomfortable with you. Yeah. I'm willing to get into the uncomfortable driver's seat to help drive or the supporter role and help support. You know when you just share something just to share it to get it off your chest to your opinion, you're not offered help, right or supporting somebody. Um, and so it just satisfies you to get it off your chest, but you're willing to do the hard work and help people through that. So to me, that's the noble part. To me, that's the genuine part, and that's the kind of person I want to hear talk about that kind of stuff. Me too, man.
0: Yeah. So, how do we, how do we follow what you're doing? How do we support? <laughs> you got five kids. Yeah. How do we buy more coffee? Yeah. The right <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, that's funny. Yeah, if you want to help uh, uh, support a, a Southern California child um, <laughs> <laughs> for the cost of only uh, $100 a day. We didn't even <laughs> talk about that. What in the world? You yeah. came to to flat
0: Indiana from beautiful California. What made you decide that? Just give it to me real quick. Yeah, Sorry, I would say. I don't
1: want to take up a ton of your time. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I would say... I mean, the politics and the cost of living in California, and there's so many good people in California, and there's there are places that you could find affordability. It's um, not
0: what it feels like on this side of the map. We just no. hear the bad almost yeah. all the
1: time. Yeah, and that's kind of disappointing because I, I find myself defending California more being here. You know, people are telling me, like, oh, go back to California, you know, <laughs> and I'm like... I. I'm shopping in the same places you shop, buying the same stuff you buy, voting the same way you vote. What did I do wrong? You know, like I mean, the the people you don't like are over there still. You know, they don't want to come see you. You know what I mean? That's they don't right. want to be a hoosier. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I'm fine. I embraced it. Let's go. You know, um, yeah, but you know, affordability. You know, um, that was a big reason. Yeah, it's just different. So we were talking about building on. You know, right? Building on, building on. Yeah. Um, man, if I want to give my kids a chance. You know, to own property, to own a home, can't do it there. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's just, you know, I, I've never bought in California. You know, like it's just, it's unrealistic. You gosh, know, what would it cost? Oh my gosh. So, I mean, the average house is is like six hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you're talking for like twelve hundred square feet. And that's a three bedroom and twelve hundred square feet right. two bath, and I mean you don't have a yard, you know if, you know it's just it's tiny, it's a small patio kind of thing in your back and a little bit of your front, just enough so you have you know brown grass to remind you that you don't have any water you know <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it's there for you know um and, and that's the average house you know um if I want a house
0: on two acres to Grow a little land and let my kids run around.
1: Yeah, well, so the tricky the tricky part about let's say land, right? Like with more space, um, you can't find it in certain areas. You got to go way so, out. Yeah, it's just too dense. There isn't houses on that. You know, there just isn't houses on that. You know, kind of that kind of space anymore. You know, in SoCal at least. Um, the f- and and the problem when you go further out in California is you go further towards the desert. Right. Because we got the ocean there, then you got land, and then you got the mountains. That's just that small narrow strip. You got to get on the other side of the mountains to finally get to like Riverside or um, Palm Springs or Joshua Tree. That's the, on the other side of the mountain range. That's into the desert. Right. So, you know, there isn't, there just isn't more space for that. You know, um, and but if you if you did if you did somehow find two acres and uh, three bedroom whatever house, I mean, that's easily like one point five million. And then you're talking about your basic house here. Your very basic actually probably not your basic house here, because even some of the basic houses, I'm like, Wow, that's this thing is really nice, you know. It's like two hundred thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you off air. I don't want to tell yeah. you because my brothers went in on it with me, but you're gonna die when you find out how much we bought seventy acres in the woods for. Yeah, I think I <laughs> it's, it's going it's just it's gonna uh, hurt. Yeah, I've seen some prices out here. And that's what we wanted out here. We wanted to be able to buy some land. Yeah. Um, COVID's made th- everything really, really strange though. Mm, our yeah. economy is, I don't know, I'm not an expert on that. I don't understand, like pretend to be, but um, we bought our land in the woods in 2019, the summer before oh, wow. before COVID uh, would ever existed. Yeah. And Every everything time. is, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a simple <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. I know. But I hope it swings back around because I think there's a lot of people who are starting to value, like you said, this generational build. Can can I get a piece of land that I can offer my children, yeah, and maybe we could expand to that so they could offer it to their yeah. children
1: well, that that's what it was it. that's what America started with it was and and people did well because of that. um people paved the way before and and that's the beautiful thing. You can't do things alone. you do things as a group, you know you do things together and um I think that's part of why. Really, a big part of why I wanted to move out here, you yeah. know, give the kids the opportunity. I can come over here and do the hard bit and the culture shock and all that portion of it. And you know, um, so and then
0: so how do we help support you get there? What would yeah.
1: hey, buy Utopian Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I'm the director of coffee and sales for uh, for, the, uh, for a phenomenal company and great people and working for an owner with a, uh, an incredible mission. And um, and this is. Fort Wayne home and grown. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan's born and raised here. A lot of the guys that um, are in leadership roles with the company are actually all the guys that are in leadership roles. except for me? Right. Are, <laughs> are you know, I'm the implant, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> and um, we'll take, you. yeah, it's, it's uh, I just brought a little California flair to it. You know, I, I worked on the bags to get them that nice new updated packaging that really reveals um, what, is happening at the farm level when Utopian Coffee gets involved, and it's natural and it's beautiful and it's l- lively and it's it's vibrant. Um, and I've been the the, the voice kind of behind pushing this story and growing our social media and our branding and and getting our coffee, you know, kind of outside of just Fort Wayne, so it can really do a greater impact. So you know, uh, follow us. You know, Utopian Coffee uh roastery on instagram check out our website com. you know buy some coffee there uh the you know regenerative stuff we launched pretty soon um you know say hi if you see me in the street <laughs>
0: you know i think that uh i think what i'd like to do at least in our office we got a good chunk of people that run through here in a week yeah. when you get that I'll, I'll buy it this week but that regenerative coffee line yeah. We're going to have coffee for everybody at the front at least for for a week. We'll put coffee out for a week, and we'll Regen- say, hey, here's, here's the regenerative coffee line. Come listen to this podcast and yeah. learn why. Y- let's get some medicinal coffee in your life yeah. rather than the yeah. ones that uh, that hurt you. I like that. Medicinal
1: coffee. You better trademark it for it. Medicinal coffee. <laughs> Jonathan, thanks yeah. for coming on, man. Oh, it's been a real pleasure.